0: Ronananian. You know what the one good thing about Subaru is? I've decided that car company makes
1: Volkswagen look good. No! Yeah, that's right. You
2: women have heard of Jalapas, you've heard the noise they make, but let me introduce my new Rocket 88. Yes, it's straight, just one way. Everybody likes my Rocket 88. Baby, we'll ride in style, moving all along.
1: The Car Doctor.
0: I think run flats are an interesting concept, right? You can run the air out of the tire, and the tire won't go flat, so you can continue to drive the car. The problem is, though, when the vehicle owner continues to drive the car, and the tire starts to shred. Welcome to the
1: radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call
0: in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. How well... Do you know your vehicle? Hello and welcome. Ron Nini and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. here to take your calls and answer your questions, whatever they might be. This radio show is all about you and your vehicle, and it's. I thought this would be a timely topic to kick off this hour of The Car Doctor with. By the way, more information at cardoctorshow.com. How well do you know your vehicle? In an emergency, how well prepared are you? I was away on vacation last week. No, no surprise. We've been talking about that previous hour, and I've put it out there on Facebook. By the way, let me just jump in real quick before I forget. If you get out to Facebook uh, this week for us, if you get out to Ron Any and the Car Doctor page on Facebook, there is a picture of a Chevy Nova out there, uh, a former race car from the late 70s, early 80s, that was, belonged to a friend of mine, and it's we're in the search for it again. We're trying to help someone find it as he's trying to uh, you know, go back and go home again. And uh, bring that car back to the family. So if anybody can get a look at that car and tell us where that might be. Uh, Last bit of information, we think it was in the Westchester, New York, Newburgh, New York, Brewster, New York area. Um, It is a 66 Chevy Nova, uh, I believe is what it said. And um, just just, uh, you can go to Facebook and see it, but we're looking for that car. And uh, we'd like to purchase it from, uh, my friend would like to purchase it from the original owner. Anyway, how well do you know your car? and in an emergency, how well will you be prepared? Fast Harry told me a story, as I called him during the course of the week, to see how the kingdom was doing, and he told me the story of one day he left the shop, and as he was approaching the highway, there was a woman broken down in a Mercedes-Benz. Harry, can, Tony, can Harry jump on the mic real quick? Maybe he'll he'll fill everybody in here real quick. Um, let's talk about this real quick, bro. So you were driving along, and um you know there's this Mercedes that's stuck and, right and, yeah and you've got an issue and uh what are you what are you gonna do about it how are you going how are you gonna she needed a jump start and you couldn't uh you couldn't get her to uh get the car going
3: right right, well, what happened was I was coming under the bridge ready to jump on route seventeen north right and I see a lady pulled over right underneath the bridge, and uh not elderly but you know middle aged like us. We're not old. So I see her. Bless you. Uh, I said, well, let me pull over and help her. She's on the phone. So I pull in front of her. I put on my four-way flashers. I get in. As I'm walking up to her, I see she's driving a late model Mercedes coupe, but she's on a flip phone. I said, already, this is not going to end this well. This is not going to end well, right? right. Yeah. So I, uh, she got off the phone. I said, ma'am, can I help you? You know, uh, I showed her my R. I had my RAT shirt on. And she goes, oh, yes, my battery's bad. I said, okay. Let's see what it does, and maybe I can jump it. I have one of the MicroStart battery packs in my car. So I get in the car, I turn the key, the motor spins over beautifully, but it's popping. So I said, ma'am, the battery is good. I said, "Uh, you know, it's obviously another, it's like a no-start issue or anything else like that. I said, why don't we put on our, why don't you put on your four-way flashers? And this is
0: where the problem became.
3: Right. Why don't you put on your four-way flashers? And she says, I don't know where they are. And I said... Okay, where's your manual? I don't know where that is. Okay, so let's look through the glove compartment. She goes, well, I've never read the manual. How long is she owned the car? Uh, since it's new. It was like a 2006, 2007. So she's driving a six, seven-year-old
0: vehicle. She's never read the owner's manual. She doesn't know where, where the four-way flashers are. No,
3: doesn't know where the four-way flashers are. Thinks it's the battery when the car is turning over. So I I get out the manual, Right. Uh, I'm looking through it And that's another issue that's made my day Here's a car that's tattered for safety There's no safety flasher You know, an American car right on top of the steering column right. I looked all over for an emergency flasher icon I couldn't find it I look in the owner's manual under emergency Where it would be, nothing there nothing I said, this there. is beautiful So I, I, I get out of the car I said, why don't we call AAA Do you have AAA? Yes Okay, can you call AAA? Uh, I don't know how I said, oh, brother. Right. I said, so by that time, uh, uh, a Saddle River police car showed up. I explained everything to him. He puts his hand on his head, and he goes, all right, I'll deal with it. Right. He goes, ma'am, can I just see your driver's license? Yeah. Yeah, I have to look for it. Yeah,
0: I'm sure. I'm sure sticking around for that was probably a sad ending, too. So
3: here's someone, you know, and, okay, she doesn't understand battery, no battery, whatever. Didn't know anything about the car. Never read the owner's mail. Didn't even know where the four-way flashes are in case of an emergency or anything else like that.
0: Right, and soon to be coming to a, 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 a side of the highway somewhere, you know, with Labor Day bearing down upon us. Thanks, Harry. With Labor Day bearing down upon us, and uh, this is the point I want to bring up as well as what Harry is, is discussing here in that, you know, we've got to be prepared. You know, when the emergency happens... When that car gets stuck on the side of the road, you may not have time to find the four-way flashers. You may have to flick them on right away. It may become a matter of life and death, and it's a huge safety risk if you're not familiar with the vehicle. So one of the things you've really got to do is, before you take the trip, before you go out in the car for the next time, even around town, take five minutes, ten minutes. You're going to have a cup of coffee tonight at the kitchen table? Grab the owner's manual and get familiar with the car. How well do you know where the safety equipment is? You know, I took the Suburban, the 2004 Suburban, which now has 50,000 miles on it. I've been talking about this for years, to North Carolina last week. Put my tools in it, went over all the fluids, put a fresh battery in it. The battery was three going on, four years old. Looked around. Under, I mean, I'm underneath this vehicle every three, four months anyway. But the road is a very unforgiving place. And, and just as Harry was describing and as he pointed out that he learned, if you're not familiar with the vehicle, You're stuck on the side of the road. The simplest things, where's the owner's manual, where are the four ways, not having the phone number for the roadside service, AAA or whoever you're using programmed into the phone, that's just downright silly. You're just expecting a problem and inviting it to happen. Always got to be prepared, all right? I'll, I'll open the show with this and pay a little tribute where tribute is due for the service people, for the American service people that were on that train yesterday in France. They didn't stop, they didn't think, they reacted, they were prepared, they were ready for the consequences, and they dealt with it with the lunatic with the AK-47, and I'm not saying your car is anywhere near that big a problem, but it can be. You've got to be prepared, and that's my point. You don't have time to think. You've got to be able to react when you're stuck on the side of the road with your automobile. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. I'm Ron and the car doctor. I'm here to talk to you about your car problem, whatever that might be. I also want to just point out real quick before we take the pause, before we open the garage doors. Coming up in two weeks, Labor Day weekend, I believe that is Saturday the 5th. That we are going to be live from the Sheridan Crossroads in Mawa, New Jersey. Is it the fourth? Maybe it's Saturday the oh Saturday the sixth. Um, Saturday the sixth. We'll look that up and figure that out when we get back, Tone. But uh, we're going to be there on that Saturday, Labor Day Saturday, at the Sheridan Crossroads in Mawa, New Jersey, two to four p.m. Doing this radio show on live remote, and uh, we're going to be there with the crew of our local New York affiliate, WRCR. We're going to be talking to them. We're going to be talking to you, looking at the thousands of hot rods and all the things that the Dead Man's Curve, usa.com car group has got going on for them. And uh, we're kind of looking forward to that. If you're in the area, we want you to stop by and say hello. Let's pull over and take the pause, 855-560-9900. I'm running in in the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back, Ron. Any in and the car? Doctor eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero is the phone number. Let's go over and talk to Fran on line one twenty thirteen Ford F one fifty about buying an extended warranty. Welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help?
4: Well, I'm just curious. I've never bought an extended warranty, and are they worth it?
0: Um, do you own the truck since new, Fran? Yes, I did. Okay. What sort of extended warranty are you thinking
4: about buying? Well, they have two, but you know, I was just reading on this thing. There's a powertrain warranty on this vehicle already for five years or sixty thousand miles. Correct. You know, so I, I, here's here's the thing. All the cars that I had in the past, I've never bought in one. And when I worked, I leased cars, and we never had any problem with any of right. them. You know, so is it money well spent or is it wasted?
0: I used to think it was money wasted, but in in recent years, I've changed my attitude, and let me explain why. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Sure. The, the car that replaced the 2013 Ford truck, mm-hmm. what was it? How old was it? How many miles were on it?
4: Oh, it was only uh, two years old, and it had 54,000 miles, it was another Ford.
0: Right. Do you think you're going to keep this one beyond the five years of the powertrain coverage? Probably not. All right then it's probably money wasted. The the only time I start to think now in terms of powertrain coverage, or I'm sorry, of extended warranty, is outside of powertrain coverage, I start to think about the electronics. First first of all, if you're going to buy an extended warranty, I don't care for what car it is, in in this mechanic's mind, it's got to be from the manufacturer. All right? I I, I do not care for any extended warranties that I've had exposure to that I'll consider aftermarket. Ford, I want a Ford. GM, I want a GM. Chrysler, I want a Chrysler, and so on, all right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, too many times I see people buy that outside of the manufacturer warranty, and two years later when they go to use it, that company's gone out of business, and they were incorporated in Delaware, and good luck trying to chase them down. And, you know, that, that, that to me is just throwing money away. Now, one of the things we did when my daughter purchased her escape she bought a new Ford Escape last year was yes, she has powertrain coverage five years sixty thousand miles mm-hmm. in my mind, as long as we're doing the service and maintenance, and you know you can bet your bottom dollar we're doing that mm-hmm. um that engine should go a hundred thousand with no problems just as the transmission what well,
4: i what see, i I follow all the things in the manual right. You know, I rotate the tires, I do the oil changes on time, anything that it, all I've had on this truck so far was a little uh, leak, uh, I don't know if it was transmission fluid, took it into the garage and they fixed it.
0: Right. The only only thing we put on her escape was Mm -hmm. the the extended warranty. She's good to five years, 75,000 miles, now on powertrain, but more importantly, she has electronics coverage. And that was one thing that I thought, I think it was a 1000 or $1,200, I forget the exact number. But I spread it out over five years, and I said for $200 a year to have bumper-to-bumper electronics coverage if she has an issue. You know, if, if electronics are going to fail, it's typically in the first five to six years. It's typically a little earlier in life, unless they're going to go their normal life cycle of whatever it is, 150,000 miles, eight, well, nine see, years old. You know, that,
4: that's the thing with trucks nowadays, you know. I, you know, you got that backup camera, right? There's you a lot of
0: electronics control, on there. Control all yeah. this
4: stuff, power seats, yep. all, you know. Yep. And uh, so, okay, so you're saying what I should do is put the uh, warranty on for five years.
0: What, what I'm saying is, talk to the Ford dealer. A, is it a Ford? Is it Ford coverage? We want that. Yep. And then you're you you understand how the warranty will cover the engine and the trans. You're not as worried about that failing because you're going to do the maintenance mm-hmm. as you are. You want to know what sort of coverage does it provide for the electronics, right. for the backup camera, for all the computers on the vehicle, for the instrument cluster, for everything electronic on that vehicle. That's where you can spend a lot of money very quickly, and you've just got to be prepared for that. So that yeah. is something worth thinking about. Okay. All right, sir?
4: Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're very you welcome. Guys. Thanks for
0: being a listener. You're very welcome. You take good care. Um, electronics are fast becoming the most expensive thing to repair on any vehicle. And if you're in in, in that gentleman's case, in Fran's case, he owned, uh, sounds like a 2007, 2008 Ford and then traded it in and got the 2013. But if you're someone coming out of a 95 Ford or a 95 Toyota, for example, and going into a newer vehicle into a 2015, it's light years. It's just so different uh, in terms of what that vehicle has on it, in terms of electronics, and it's something you've really got to consider. Let's go over and talk to Mike in La Crosse, Wisconsin, 96 Toyota RAV4, and some comments about how he fixed his hydraulic clutch. I assume this is in response to the gentleman in the previous hour with the 94 pickup and the uh, clutch issue he had, right, Mike?
2: That's correct, Ron. Yes, I was sir. really impressed with the list of things you enumerated. enumerated. But my problem was different. This thing would not shift I uh, depress the depending on what stage it was in uh the uh it, i couldn't shift it out of uh neutral into a gear or I couldn't shift it uh, in reverse reverse direction right um and this went on for about three or four weeks. I took it to my very good mechanic bless his heart <laughs> uh, about three times in uh, the first time he replaced the slave cylinder. Uh, and the second time he replaced the master cylinder. Right. And I'm sure he looked for leaks. He looked for leaks everywhere, but we were losing pressure, and uh, th- that didn't fix it. Finally, he uh, he found a crack Xeric fitting, and uh, that's where it was leaking out.
0: Okay, sure. You had, mean...
2: him had him stymied. Yeah, had him stymied for a while.
0: You mean the, but, the, the uh, bleeder itself was leaking?
2: The Xeric fitting where you put in the... Uh, where you check the? Well, I don't know if you check pressure. Or you just add fluid there, or what? Oh, okay, gotcha. But, um, okay, yeah. Where you, where you bleed it?
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah
2: the bleeder. Right.
1: Right. Right. I'm
2: right. sure yeah. it was hard to hard to see that at first. So I want I to relate that to you So you can add that to your pile, your list of things that could be wrong.
0: Thanks, Mike. And you know, all I really try to do, and I was trying to get him to see that, is that stop. You know, stop saying, because if you noticed, he was talking about how this person said that, and that person said this, and, you know, it's, it's never about that. It's always about how does the system work. Take it apart in your mind. Take it apart on a piece of paper. What could go wrong, and what's the most common, and what's the most obvious? And you're right. We have to add hydraulic leaks to the system now from, the, uh, yeah. from, from a fitting such as that. So uh, good thing to know. Good thing to no, know. I have another question. Sure, go ahead. I have
2: another question in response to your, your talk about the Prius we have an old 05 Prius, which we love,
4: right. and we
2: bought it with 60,000 miles on it in about, I don't know, five years ago or so. We only drive about twelve, thirteen thousand 13,000 miles a year, But right. so we do go on cross-country trips with it once in a while. Now it's got about 125,000, and it's running just fine. We only get about 42 in town in the summer, and... uh and uh, on the road, uh, well, actually, it's similar. It doesn't change that much. Right. You know, maybe up to the mid-40s. Some people, I, on newer ones, they get 50 or higher. But anyway, we like it. And uh, I'm wondering, and there's no rust on it yet. Looks great. few scratches is all. I'm wondering, uh, what would you do? Would you sell that at that mileage, 120000 because of that battery, the big battery? Well would you just I, drive into
0: the- I wouldn't sell it because of that. I would put the question back to you. So let's say tomorrow, Mike, that battery goes bad. Would you put the three grand into it? Um I'll tell you what. With only a hundred and twenty thousand I'll tell you with, what. With you only can-
2: one hundred and twenty thousand on the mic.
0: Think about think about that. Don't go anywhere. Let me pull over and take this pause. And when we come back we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, that's really the question. Would you put three grand into it? How nice of a car is it? And you know what? You can give us the answer when we get back. I'm running Nanny and the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Car Doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. That's 24-7. If this radio show is not on the air, you call 855-560-9900. Anytime, day or night, and Fast Harry will call you back. Leave a message. Fast Harry will call you back, and we'll put you in queue and talk to you about your car problem up here on national radio. Speaking of problems, let's go over and talk to Mike. Let's get back to La Crosse, Wisconsin. Mike, when we left, we pulled over and took the pause for those just tuning in. The conversation was... Would I spend the money on the car? And I actually put it back to you, Mike. Would you put three grand for a battery into that Prius at this age and mileage?
2: Well, that's of course the key question. Uh, I haven't done any research on it, and uh, I don't know how long those batteries a- uh, last on the average. My question is, do they la- do they wear out after a certain amount of time on the average, or is it miles? Uh,
0: I've seen it. That I, I've seen it more based on time. And, unfortunately, oh. two, a 2005, and you say you've got 120,000 on it. How many miles are on this now? Right.
2: Mike? It's about 125, I think. You
0: know, you're in the range. Oh, I'm I'm not yeah. saying it's going to happen tomorrow, and I'm not saying I would run out and do it. But it it is something I would be mindful of. You know, perhaps I'd want to make sure, right. you know, to have the Toyota dealer tested. I know they can check it, and there's things they can look at to determine and you know what Toyota really does have a good handle on the on the Prius batteries in terms of their failure rate but it really comes back to do you want to be proactive and change it early do you want to change it on the road if you're taking a cross country trip would you change it and that's really a decision you know it'd be no different than yeah. as i've said before if you're driving a traditional gas powered vehicle and you're cross country with a 10 year old 120,000 mile vehicle if the trans failed would you replace the trans and If it would, Mm -hmm. then, you know what, drive on. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what the vehicle is. It doesn't matter if it's a hybrid or gas or diesel. It all comes down to maintenance per month, maintenance per mile. And one of the things that I I laugh at to this day is I don't want to spend any money on a car. I'm going to go buy a new one. And that's a real statement that I hear uh, more than a few Mm -hmm. times a week at the shop. And I sit there scratching my head. I think we get rid of vehicles if if we have too much money and we're not, not enough brains, as I sometimes say, but I also think it's because people have a fear in that they're not sure if their mechanic can do the job properly, which makes me wonder why they're dealing with that mechanic in the first place. And and just as importantly, they're not sure where to go. And, you know, you can talk to people. It's interesting. You know, Mike, I don't know if you do this. I can't do it because of, I'm in the business, but I've listened to people without talking and telling them who I am and what I do. And not a lot of people are happy with their mechanic. It's really very kind of interesting. And yet they'll still continue to go to a repair shop because. And there's no there's no rhyme or reason for that. So, you know, are you taking it to the Toyota dealer now for service? No. Okay. Well,
2: only if I have to. For example, my mechanic, who I said before I love because he's inexpensive and he's... Dedicated,
0: right. honest.
1: Right.
2: Yep. He charged me for that work on that uh, Rav4. He charged me right around a hundred dollars. Right. And he just kept that until he found it. Anyway, right. um, he does not have the up-to-date computer equipment. He probably wouldn't work on the electronics on a Prius, um, but he can fix other normal things. He's right. Very efficient. Well, and but, that's. Um, y- thing y- about, Go ahead. The thing about the Prius, uh, we paid eleven thousand for that about five years ago. I would guess maybe it, maybe it's worth about I don't know 5, now or a couple of years ago I think it was 8. Right. But uh I haven't checked recently. So would I put 3000 into a uh $5000 market value vehicle? Maybe not. You right. got me thinking now about that.
0: Well. And and um, and that and that, that is in, some, th- 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 that is something to consider. <laughs> you know if the vehicle's worth 5 and you put 3 in it, now now you've got 8 in the vehicle. Uh, you know what does eleven grand buy you? If eleven grand buys you something five years newer with half the mileage, maybe peace of mind is worth an extra three grand and uh, or two grand. And that's you know what it all comes back to dollars and cents and convenience. When we took the suburban down to North Carolina last week, it's twelve years old. I know it's only got fifty thousand miles on it. I prepped it as best I could. I know it's a twelve year old vehicle, and I was ready for what came my way. Uh, I also had my uniform packed in case I had to go rent the service bay and fix it right there and, with, with somebody in North Carolina, but that's a different conversation. But, um, uh, you know, it, it it's all about trust and the reliability of the vehicle and how well it's maintained and how well you know that vehicle and uh, would you put money into it. Lots of questions, lots of things people need to think about before they just make blind decisions. Let's pull over and take a pause real quick. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. When we come back, Lori in Marion. We're going to be right back and talk to you about your 2014 Ford Flex. Don't anybody go away. I'm Ron Annie in the car doctor back right after this. back on any in and the car doctor 855-560-9900 by the way the website more information cardoctorshow.com get out to the car doctor's facebook page ron and, Andy and the car doctor we're talking about a missing 66 chevy nova if someone's looking for we're trying to help them find that if you can uh, read that story and relate and pass on information or share that photo and uh, spread it around the world we're uh, we're looking for that car and uh, we would appreciate anything anybody can do let's get over and talk to Lori in marion iowa 2014 ford flex Lori, welcome to the car doctor how can i help
5: Oh, hi. Thank hi. you. You're very welcome. I was calling because I took my car to the dealership to get the oil changed a couple of weeks ago. Okay. How many miles were we um, 15,600. Okay. And while I was there, the representative recommended caliper cleaning, and I didn't even know what a caliper was, so my question was, does the manufacturer recommend that? And he said to me that because I live in the... Midwest, you know, the salt and sand from the roads and things like that, that the caliper cleaning was a good idea. Um, It would prolong the life of my brake pads. And so I okayed the work, and then later I thought, why did I do that You know, it just seemed like an upsell later. I probably, I feel like I got ripped off. So I thought, I'm calling the car doctor. Yeah, I
0: don't think I agree with them on this, Lori. I, you know, my first question is that 2014 Ford Flex, if you open up your owner's manual, what's the warranty? Is it bumper to bumper?
5: Um, I would suppose it is. I, I haven't looked at that, but I guess so. I,
0: You know what, if it says bumper to bumper warranty coverage, and mm-hmm. you've got to promise me you'll open up the owner's manual and look at this after we get off the air. Okay. Uh, you know, bumper-to-bumper coverage. Bumper-to-bumper is bumper-to-bumper. Three years, 50,000 miles. And, okay, I could see if the brakes wore out, but right. I would ask them to show me, show me where it says if the brakes wear out as a result of not greasing the caliper slides. And while it might be good maintenance, you know, if if you live, listen, if if you live in a region of the country where the snowfall is so heavy that they're using so much calcium chloride to melt the snow that it's creating rust and corrosion issues. Yeah, I get it, all right? But in all the years on radio, 25 next January, you're the first person to call up with this kind of a problem at 15,000 miles. You know, typically that's something that doesn't occur until the car is into the 40 or 50,000-mile range. If then, typically it's longer than that. And I would – what did you pay for this service? Um, basically, a hundred dollars. I think I think somebody bought lawn furniture. Uh okay. You know, I think somebody got commissioned and bought lawn furniture. I would I would ask to see what their policy is. I would be very calm about it, but I would say, you know, I don't understand, fellas. My owner's manual says I've got bumper to bumper warranty coverage. Why am I doing this service? Is is this something that's common in this part of the country? Is this? Right. I, I, and I wouldn't give them too many answers. I would ask them to. I would you know just ask the question. And and let them give you the answers, but they've got to come back and they say, well, we've you know studies we've seen corrosion, etc. Uh, you know this is a problem. Uh, to which my question would be, if somebody buys a used car with that's you know, or if somebody buys a car that sits on the lot for seven months um, that doesn't get driven, are the calipers going to be that corroded that after seven months and zero miles, the calipers are going to have to come off and have them greased? I yeah, it doesn't doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth. You okay. know, it right. makes me well, kind of wonder. very helpful. All right? Yeah, I
5: wondered, too. Yeah, I, I don't. I appreciate it so much. I
0: don't get it, Laura. You, you, you go back, you talk to them. You tell them we talked, and uh, you call me back. Report back when you get a chance. All right?
5: I'll do that. All right.
0: Yes. You take good care. Okay. You're very Thanks. welcome. Bye-bye, dear. Let's get over and talk to Don in Omaha, Nebraska. 2008 Toyota Highlander and some questions about a wheel alignment. Don, welcome to the car, Doctor. How can I help, sir?
1: Hi, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, The car now has about uh, 40,000 miles on it, Mm -hmm. and I had it uh, lined back about 15,000 miles ago. Okay. And when I took it in, it was one of the national chain shops, but... The guy, I don't think, did a whole lot to it, and he came out and gave me kind of a computer printout that said, Well, everything looks like it's in specs. Uh, and so when I got home, I kind of looked up what specs really were, and just taking an example, I think for that car, the uh, camber said something like ideal was a negative 63 hundredths of a degree, okay. plus or minus 75 hundredths of a degree. So, you know, I'm not a math whiz exactly, but that would look like, you know, from a negative 1.38 mm-hmm. to a plus
0: plus Yeah, let's, point not, one let's, two. Let's, let's not split hairs. Three-quarters of a degree, plus or minus, and, and Yeah, and, yeah. And, and...
1: So anyway, it, it was within that spec, say the negative 1.38, if it was a negative 1.25, you know, it met that spec, but when I drive out then and hit a bump, doesn't it go over to something greater than that or the possibility is greater than well, that? Well,
0: sure. I mean, hitting bumps and suspension and how suspension changes is always going to change wheel alignment, but wheel alignment is always based on here's what it is with the wheels at rest straight ahead in, in, in line, and then as the vehicle progresses and goes down the road, the changes that occur are there by design, not by intention. You can't align a vehicle... Because you're gonna hit a bump someday and it's gonna make the camber or caster do this or that. So mm-hmm. it's it's always done vehicle at rest as we've done it forever. So right. but go on, your question is.
1: But but they they don't put it back to what would be the ideal set because, you know, now I'm two and a half years later and I think it probably needs it again because we've had kind of a horrible winter in the Midwest, right. you know. Right. And, and so I was going to take it in again, but I thought, well, you know, if now it's right at the ragged edge, and the guy again says, uh, "Oh, well, you're still meeting specs. Uh, I'm not going to do anything," but maybe it's just a tiny bit from being over. And my point: shouldn't they take it back to that midpoint? I mean, what's a normal shop do?
0: Great question. Um, some shops will, and we have to have we have to have a conversation about cost in here, Don. All right and i I always bring this up when I talk about wheel alignment. Wheel alignment and tire work are are two of the most underrated underappreciated services that happen to a vehicle, and I'm not saying in your case, but in some people's cases sure the The cost of tire equipment and wheel alignment equipment is astronomical in comparison to to you know other things uh, A wheel alignment rack, for example, can be upwards of fifty fifty five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Start doing the math about how many cars have to get aligned and bang through there uh, you know to, to make that back and when you 're thinking about that let 's say the average wheel alignment is somewhere between a half hour and forty five minutes right you 've got to weigh that out with that mechanic could be doing a brake job selling parts without a fifty five thousand dollar investment into an alignment rack. and how much quicker do they get return on that so Cost of equipment always comes into the conversation when we talk about wheel alignments. And I'll tell you what—I don't want to do this too tight. Sit tight, Don. Let me uh, let me pull over and take this pause. When we come back, we'll close out the hour with this. I'm Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Any in the Car Doctor rolling along. Let's go back to Don in Omaha, Nebraska. Don, are you still there, sir? Yes, I am. So the conversation's about wheel alignment on your 2008 Toyota Highlander, and, you know, what's the responsibility of the alignment shop or the people doing the alignment? You know, in my mind, there's two types of wheel alignments out there. There's the fast food quickie that I see people doing their advertising, 69.95, dollars 95 $79.95, things like that. And then there's, exactly. Then there's the guys that are doing it, and they're doing it correctly. They're sitting there, and they're being honest. They're saying, you know what? It typically takes a half hour, 45 minutes to do setup, get the vehicle by the time we road test it, get it up in the air, set the tire pressure and go through the vehicle and you know, 15, 20 minutes to make your adjustments. They're telling you it's an hour, an hour and a half average vehicle. It's going to get worse in time because a lot of vehicles now have steering angle sensors that need tools to be reset and that's going to become part of the part of the service procedure as well. So, you know, the old expression, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Right. And I agree with you where I'm going with this, Don, in that, you know what, if it's to the ragged edge, you know, an alignment guy knows what works on what vehicles. He, he can sit there and he can stand behind or protect himself behind the, hey, it's within manufacturer spec all day long. But if the tire is going to wear better at mid-range or to the other side of the spec, then what service is he really doing for you other than just taking your money and lightening your wallet? Right. And, you know, that's really what this is all about. You know, a smart alignment guy doesn't align every vehicle to every manufacturer's spec. You know, the way I was taught was, and I remember the conversation like it was yesterday, Ron, someday you're going to align two vehicles that are exactly the same. One's going to be just a normal, everyday bread-and-butter vehicle. The other guy's going to be an anvil salesman, and he's going to carry his demos in the trunk. (laughs) And, you know, that's going to affect the suspension (laughs) and how the front end rides, and you're going to have to align and compensate for that. Right. And, you know, I used to say typewriters, and that would make people nuts. They'd say, you're really dating yourself, Ron. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Um, and that's my point. So, you know, I really laugh at things like lifetime wheel alignment. All lifetime wheel alignment does, and I'm not saying that's in your case, but as long as we're talking dollars, you know, all lifetime wheel alignment shops are doing, is promising you a minimum amount of service, minimum amount of effort, trying to do an upsell and, you know, see what's wrong with the car over the life sure. of the vehicle. Nothing on a car can be warranted for life because sooner or later everything wears out. Right. So I would go back to the shop and say, hey, you know, I, I know you charged me for this, and, um, you know, it is kind of to the ragged edge, but, you know, I'd really like things put in the center of the spec. Now, the, the, the reason they may not be able to do that is on that particular vehicle or on any vehicle. Is that measurement, is that adjustment normal? Is it simple to do, or is it a much more involved process? And then that can be additional money as well. You really should read the fine print on the invoice. What does it say? You know, perform four-wheel alignment, set adjustable or factory adjustable angles to spec, or is it... Check and adjust as needed. Adjustment is extra, and sometimes you look at the fine print, you'll find the answers there too. Don, I hope I was of a help, sir. I enjoyed the question. I enjoyed being able to have the time. Till the next time, I'm Ron in the Car Doctor, reminding all of you: good mechanics aren't expensive; they're priceless. See ya.